Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton and Enrique Alvarez with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Enrique, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Scott. Super happy and uh, excited to, to, to be with you and then also to talk to our great guest today. I'm with you. Uh, I, I love that you're back with us. I know you're, you're traveling the world as we're all getting back into, into, into real life IRL, as, which I hear is a thing these days. But <laughs> this, this conversation is going to be a good one. We're going to be talking with a supply chain leader that has risen through the ranks from an appliance design engineer through to a role as a manufacturing plant manager, all points between, and now in an executive position where she leads all facets for the U.S. distribution network of a very well-known brand. So stay tuned for a wonderful and intriguing conversation. Enrique, should be a good one, huh? It should be a good one. Yes, for sure. 29 years, I think, it's uh, her experience with this organization. That's, uh, that's a long time. Agreed. She's got stories and books to write, undoubtedly. So, hey, with no further ado, let's welcome in Marsha Bray, Vice President of Distribution with GE Appliances. Marsha, how you doing? Hi, I'm great. How are you, Joe Scott? We're doing wonderful. Uh, we love, I mean, this is, we love doing, doing this every day. So being able to meet a new uh, supply chain leader and kind of uh, get to know you better and also get your your point of view on, on what's going on across the industry uh, this is hey, this is what we do. So great to see you again. And where we want to start, Enrique and Marsha, we want to get to know you better, uh, Marsha. So uh, that opening question that we always start with is, hey, tell us where you grew up and give us some anecdotes or two about your upbringing. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm excited to share my story with you. Um, so I'm a hometown girl. Um, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, which is our headquarters here for GE Appliances. Actually, right down the street um, from where we're located. Really? Uh, I did, yeah. And, um, you know, Geoplanses is interesting. We're actually um, in Louisville, Kentucky, which is a large city, but we're in the middle of a neighborhood. <laughs> and so you wouldn't necessarily even know you're coming up on Appliance Park. And um, we're a very, very large organization. We have our own zip code, um, you know, really? in Louisville. Um, but growing up right down the street, I really didn't even know this was here. So it's interesting, you know, how life works out. Um, <laughs> You grow up, you know, 20 years and then realize, hey, I'm going to spend 30 years of my life um, going forward here. But mm. I, um, you know, my uh, childhood and, and growing up and, you know, going to high school, um, I never imagined that this is where I would be. Um, and my journey has really just had a lot of twists and turns. And um, it's been something I never could have scripted, but I wouldn't change one thing. Um, I love it. Um, so maybe just a couple stories growing up. Um, I come from a modest family. Um, we didn't have a lot of money. My uh, parents um, were, um, my mom's a, a teacher and uh, my dad's an insurance adjuster. So engineering and, you know, being in the corporate world was really nothing that I had grown up or experienced. Mm -hmm. um, my mom went back to school uh, went after she had me um, to get her teaching certificate. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents um, my grandfather was a, a welder, um, blue-collared welder, welder, and uh, lived on a farm. And so, you know, uh, I loved my grandfather because early on, I was never a girly girl. My my mom 
you know, bought me dolls and dresses and I preferred, you know, barefoot and <laughs> my dolls apart. My grandfather realized this and, um, you know, he had me in a welding hood and nice. to weld, um, you know, being on a farm, there's something always broken. And um, so I would follow him around. We would fix things together. He would show me how to use tools. Um, we would go to neighbors' houses if they had problems, you know, maybe they needed something fixed. My grandfather was like the guy you caught in the neighborhood. Wow. So took me around and, and I, I found a love for building things, to, you know, using tools. I wasn't intimidated by them because I, I grew up, you know, my life like that. And uh, so anyway, so I, I let me know. ask you a question really okay. quick, Marsha, uh, yeah. your grandfather's name, what's his name? What was his name? Ray Casabella. Ray Casabella. And what, so it sounds like he had a heart for giving and helping others. It sounds like. He did. He did. And we're going we're gonna, to, it seems like that's part of your DNA and we're going to touch about on that later, but uh, how it, I could just almost picture y'all walking through and, and taking the calls and fixing stuff, whether it's on his farm or neighbors or whatever, that clearly has been experiences that, 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 you know, continue to impact your journey in, in terms of the leader you are today. Is that right? Absolutely. You know, that empathy for people, my, my grandfather taught me, um, everyone, you have a chance to learn something from everyone you meet. And it doesn't matter who they are, what walk of life they come from. Um, you treat people with respect. And I saw him do it. Um, I followed him and emulated what he did. And I feel it today. You know, it doesn't matter where you are in, in the organization. There are problems to solve. And there are people out there who understand and see that problem from different perspectives. And the more you can understand, the more you can go see, you know, using lean now, now that I know more <laughs> right. you know how corporate world tends to put things together, but um, the more you can make relate have relationships with people that they feel comfortable bringing problems um, and they feel comfortable showing you, you can solve a lot of things really fast and you can do it in a way that brings people closer together. And, and you know, you're right. I, I guess I never thought of it like that, Scott, but that is something that's fundamental. It's important to me as a leader. Um, and it's something that I strive to continue to grow. Um, can, it comes across. It's like emanating. Right. Uh, it really does. Uh, really quick. Uh, Enrique, I bet this resonates with you. And before, because I, I got a quick follow-up question about Louisville. I want to ask Marsha. I don't want to change gears just yet. Enrique, speak to what Marsha was just sharing there. Well, at the end of the day, I think she's right. And the quote that I even wrote was, uh, you have a chance to learn something from everyone you meet, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of kind of the personality, the background, the culture, the religion. And I think that's something that's not only incredibly powerful, but I think that it's something that that's somewhat, or it feels like it's somewhat missing these days, right? With all these different sides of things and the way that we're trying to polarize, polarize uh, society. I think that's a, that's a great quote. And it sounds like your father was an amazing person. Yeah, my you know, my grandfather. He he was uh, he was absolutely an amazing person, and um, you know, and I appreciate the time he spent with me. And it's something I hope to pass on to my kids, and um, you know, and the people that I work with too, to, to give them that respect that my grandfather did, you know, to a young girl who very impressionable, but it really made a difference. Love that Ray Casabella. Is that right? Ray Casabella. Yes. Okay. Sir. All right. Wonderful. So really quick before we're going to talk about engineering more in a moment, uh, but food. We love talking food. Uh, here at Supply Chain now. What's one dish that is inseparable from your upbringing in Louisville? 
Oh, uh, inseparable from my upbringing would have to be my uh, grandmother's uh, pot roast um, and city chicken. I don't know if I don't know if people know city chicken, but in Louisville, if you go to the butcher and you ask for city chicken, it's all the leftover meat that they put on a skewer. And Sunday nights, we either got pot roast <laughs> or we got city chicken, and I love city chicken nights. So <laughs> love that. That's thing. City so you chicken. Come to Louisville, you can ask for city chicken. Of course, hot browns are really big here in Louisville, Kentucky, too. But um, but my family's city chicken. I love it. Okay, wonderful. Now that you've made us starving for city chicken, <laughs> hot roast, and hot browns, uh, let's talk about engineering. Uh, so what? Uh, if, uh, I don't want to answer the question. I think part of what you've already shared might partially answer this question. But what got you interested in engineering? And we're going to talk about your degrees here in a second. Yeah, so certainly love for building things. And, um, you know, my, I really give a lot of credit to my mom and dad. Um, again, not knowing engineer. I remember when the word engineering first came up, I looked it up in the encyclopedia because back then we didn't have the internet. Right. So we had to look it up in a book. And, and I was like, and at first I'm like, no, it's not the railroad. It's, it's, <laughs> so it's you know. and, um, you know, I, I, I knew I wanted to solve problems. I love building things. And my mom kept saying, you need to be an engineer. You need to be an engineer. And I'll tell you an interesting story. I, in high school, you know, you, you, at least at the time you took tests, you know, the kind of like where aptitude tests, where would you fit in? And for whatever reason, I never did test well, by the way, early in school. Um, but I, um, I came back and my counselor told me, I said, hey, you know, she's, what do you want to be? I was like, I, I want to be an engineer. And she was like, mm, no, I don't think that's a good fit for you. You need to be a teacher. So what she told me, so I come home, you know, and I'm like, hey, mom, look what happened. Oh, she was furious. <laughs> she's like, you are not going to be a teacher. You are going to be a phenomenal engineer. Don't let anyone tell you what you can and can't do. And um, so I did. And so I, uh, I applied to engineering school and got in here at UofL, University of Louisville Speed School, and I actually ended up doing incredibly well. And I found my passion. You know, I, I love the labs and um, I loved working in teams and I love solving problems. And I love the technical aspect of the job. Although you'll, you'll you know, you know my career, I didn't spend, I've spent probably my third of my career very technical, but, um, but the fundamental foundation of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis for 29 years is solving problems. And uh, using that engineering mindset of how to do that um, has been key for me. And so you're like almost an engineer's engineer because you didn't stop with a, a bachelor's. You've got a, an advanced degree, um, a, a master's, I believe, uh, Marsha, in engineering as well. Um, so how does that, beyond what you've shared, how does all of that education and experience, that formal education and experience, how does that impact your approach to solving business or even supply chain challenges? Yeah, sure. Actually, I have two masters in engineering. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. You know, so some, I'll, I'll tell you, I have my personality has changed a lot. But when I was younger, um, I loved making plans. I had my life was on a spreadsheet and I said, here's what I'm going to do. And I, I really did fall in love with solving technical problems. And I said, hey, I love to learn. I got my master's in mechanical engineering and then started working here at G Appliances and realized in order to continue to grow as an engineer, I thought, well, hey, I'll go, I want to keep going to school. So I, would, I went to school part-time and got a second master's in quality and reliability engineering from the University of Arizona, long distance. Mm. It was one of the first long distance programs they had. Um, of course, long distance is, is normal now, right? For everybody, but it wasn't then. And uh, because that's what I thought I'd be. And, and I wanted to go to the best school for quality and reliability 
Um, University of Arizona does a lot with NASA, you know, uh, there in Tucson, Arizona. So that's what I did. Um, now, looking back on my career, I will tell you that if I had known where my my life would lead me and my spreadsheet wasn't really accurate, um, an MBA would have served me a lot better. But, um, you know, to your question, it's all about having different tools to solve problems. And what University of Arizona taught me was around probabilistic design, probabilistic, you know, mechanical design. So, you know, there's certainly factual, you input, you know, X, X plus Y equals Z, inputs equal outputs. But my continuing education taught me about probabilities. And it taught me about, you know, there's a boundary of, of success. There's not a point answer. There's, you know, you, you can find it in this range and you need to be able to keep an open mind about what really are you trying to solve? What risk are you willing to tolerate? Um, and so it's, like I said, it's all about problem solving and uh, has served me really well. Well, so I'm the oddball here. So Enrique, I'm going to pass the baton, but before you jump into GE appliances, Enrique, I believe you are a degreed engineer. So mechanical uh, engineer as well. I can yes. relate to the yeah, right. math and engineering part of it for so sure. Don't, hey, since y'all two masterminds, uh, let's no, not talk any no, math no. Or, or any high level, uh, highfalutin. No um, linear algebra. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But, Enrique, where are we going next with Marsha Brain? Marcia, thank you so much. I can totally relate with your engineering background. And uh, of course, uh, having lived with your grandfather, building things, fixing things to uh, GE appliances, that seems like a very natural path, a very natural career selection. Could you tell us a little more how, how it happened after you graduated? Sure, sure. So, um, you know, I, it, it does really fit well of wanting to solve problems, wanting to build things um, and wanting to solve, you know, work, work and make life a little bit better for others, right? How do you do that? And that's really, you know, when you think about G appliances, you know, we're a company um, that designs, builds, services, appliances for the home. And every day, every one of us in some way are interfacing with your appliances, whether it's in the kitchen, it's in the laundry, air conditioning, um, water products. Um, that's what we do. And so, um, and, and you probably don't think of appliances as being very technical. Let me tell you, um, there are more electronic boards in a refrigerator than there are in, in most computers or other things that you have in your home. Um, the technology that we have today and how we design appliances for consumers um, is, is really top of the line. And so, being able to be part of an organization that doesn't just build millions of appliances a year, we design and are thinking about what's new. You know, how can we use technology uh, to, to create something consumers can make their lives easier, to make it easier to cook, to make it easier to clean your dishes, to make it simpler for the activities you don't want to think about every day, like laundry for me specifically. We can <laughs> make that simple. Um, and uh, and be able to do this. So, so it was a, a natural fit for me, um, you know, to think about G appliances. And, and where I started my career, I started designing washer transmissions. Um, and that was my wow. uh, job. And I loved it. I absolutely loved the technical side of uh, that design element. And we build, you know, washers right here in Louisville. Um, and so being able to be at the factory, we have uh, five full you know, million square foot factories here at Appliance Park. So there's a lot of variety as well, um, you know, that, that you could get involved with. So, so that was, that was um, you know, the reason that I picked um, to work here at GE Appliances. Um, but I'll tell you too, you know, the reason I stay for 29 years, I have learned 
is really about the people. Um, and the people I work with every day um, not only challenge me to learn more, um, they, they have my back, they're good people. Um, they, the, you know, I, they have helped me grow as a human um, right. here and to be a better person. I, you know, like I said, my spreadsheet had unknowingly boundaries <laughs> and limits on it of what I thought I'd do in my career. And working at G Appliances has provided a place where those boundaries were broken and people were able to help me envision much, much bigger aspirations. Um, you know, I went from a design engineer to sales and marketing. And <laughs> you know, my while my resume might not traditionally say I was qualified for those roles, people trusted me. And, and having ambition and and uh, the drive that I could I could do more than just be an engineer, not that that's bad, um, but I could get involved in the bigger aspect of the company. And that's really where I found my passion is how can I lead at a bigger level? How can I be more involved to drive this company that I love um, and to help build it and grow it on a bigger scale? In order to do that, I needed to understand more than just the design engineering technical side of it. And I've been able to do that. And I feel very fortunate um, that my path led me here to G Appliances. No, it sounds like an amazing uh, organization with a great uh, culture. Um, and now if you could tell us a bit more about your current role as a VP of distribution, because you went from the technical aspects to, to the culture being important on the people to somehow you landed in our industry, supply chain logistics, uh, yeah. which is another big shift, right? Probably not on your original uh, Excel spreadsheet. Uh, no, it, well, kind of. I mean, I love the technical oh. side, right? And I think there's a lot of similarities of being in a design engineering role and then working in manufacturing quality um, and distribution, all of which I have spent probably two thirds of my career in that space. So mm -hmm. I would, I definitely classify myself as supply chain. Uh, that is my love. Um, it's my passion. And it's, you know, it's something that encompasses all. I mean, you have to know the commercial sales side. You have to know your customer um, of what they want. And then I'm in distribution at the end of the value stream. And so I have to be able to deliver what we promised. Um, and so having that broader aspect and understanding, I think, is really important. Um, I think to understand distribution means to understand a little bit about our company. Um, it has been, 29 years has been amazing. The last five years have been phenomenal. Um, right. You know, appliances is typically a really thin margin business. Um, and so, you know, the first part of my career, a lot on cost out, how do we maintain, but it was pretty much you grow at GDP. You know, it's not, it, 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 this year is kind of like last year, right? And that's kind of the way it went. The last five years, I mean, COVID, of course, <laughs> but, but the last five years have been an amazing growth for GE Appliances. And, um, you know, we had a new strategy brought in that we will be the number one appliance company in the United States, which means we will grow and pretty much double our company. That's pretty amazing when you think we were pretty big to begin with. Um, and a new philosophy of zero distance. Um, and what I mean by that, of the thought of how do we shrink this big organization of a company to be as close to the consumer as possible? Every day, what the consumer wants, how they're thinking, how things change, enables us to have more nimbleness and flexibility to respond to, the, to that customer, to the consumer. And so, um, you know, over the last five years, we've invest, invested $2 billion in our uh, business to grow. Um, and that's in new products, new factories, new warehouses, new distribution centers. 
Um, we've created 4,000 more jobs um, across our wow. company, which is pretty amazing. And, um, and you know, the, the last thing I'll, sh- I'll share as I talk about distribution is we flipped our culture and our organization, I should say, upside down. We were very traditionally five years ago, just like most corporate companies. You have your CEO, your CFO. They make the decisions of how we're going to spend money, what our goals are. Financial goals were the number one thing we had to hit. Then you have your functional leaders in there, your sales, your marketing, manufacturing, sourcing, distribution. Then you have the product teams, refrigeration, dishwasher, and so forth. And so it was very hierarchical. Five years ago, when we made this zero distance, we said, it's not going to work if we don't flip. If we're going to be zero, if we're going to be zero distance for our consumer and our customer, the product has to come first. That's what they care about. They don't care about our financial goals. They don't care about, you know, all these other th- you know, things that this manufacturing team is doing. So they care about the product and how do we make the product first? Um, and so we created a micro, we call it micro enterprise structure. We're a micro enterprise like company. Our CEO would even tell you his job is to support the micro enterprises. A micro enterprise is the dishwasher team, the refrigeration team, the laundry team. I'm a platform leader. I support my micro enterprise team on a matrix standpoint. So my job um, with all of that said is I am responsible for moving finished good product from the factories or from our suppliers that we source from all the way through our distribution centers throughout the United States. We have 11 of them to our customers. And then we also offer, um, so transportation uh, is in there. We also offer final mile delivery. So if a customer would like for us uh, to install appliances, uh, my team is responsible for knocking on Mrs. Jones' door. I have your full kitchen set here ready. We will unhook and remove your appliances and we will do full installation white glove service for our consumers as well. So that's my job in distribution. Um, I have the great honor of touching our consumers every day. My team does, I should say, and making sure that we deliver a great experience on time, damage-free, um, and providing the right service for our consumers. And our Zero customers. distance. Zero totally distance. Installed, right? Yeah. That's amazing, Scott, right? And how it goes and the team goes from manufacturing to, uh, I guess, having water coming out of the refrigerator or whatever it might be. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's incredible. I love that. Um, so let's, I want to shift gears a bit. Uh, you touched on a lot of things uh, and it's fascinating to hear from a uh, organizational standpoint uh, because you're right, you're right. And perhaps more so in the appliances industry than many others, right? Because we touch these things every day to your point. So I love how it's consumer centric. As product-centric, are we building the products that the consumers are raving fans over? And that's kind of some of the things I'm, I'm picking up here. And of course, frankly, I've had GE appliances. We've got some in our house right now, and we're raving fans. Thank you. Very, we appreciate uh, you being a consumer of ours. Definitely. <laughs> Part of the um, Thank you. You bet. So I want to shift gears, shift gears, though, because beyond everything you're doing with GE appliances, you're also deeply uh, immersed in the greater industry, I'll call it. So you chair... Marsha, GEA's Women's Network. So if you could tell us what that is and why, more perhaps more importantly, why is this really the service work important to you? Yeah, Um, so I am very honored to, I co-chair, I'm the executive sponsor of our Women's Network um, with a great friend and coworker of mine, Christy Sadoff. Um, And so the Women's Network is one of eight affinity groups that we have at GE Appliances. Um, And the purpose of our affinity groups is to have 
purposeful representation of all demographics, all different thinking um, to be able to help our company grow and to help, more importantly, our employees have, have a place, have a space that they have a voice and can be part of our, our business. Because sometimes you get lost in the just day-to-day business you know, running. Um, how do we make sure that we see and respect people for who they are, where they are in this moment right, of their life? And so I have the honor of um, being the executive sponsor of our women's network, um, which represents uh, our women um, population. Uh, our goal of our women's network is equity. Um, that's what I tell folks all the time. You know, I, I am here um, on behalf of our membership to help support the views, the concerns, the problems of women um, with the goal of ensuring that we have equitable opportunities um, for all. And my belief is if we can help those issues and concerns of our women be known and we can take action on them, it will help all people, men and women, yeah. uh, and will make our company stronger. Um, it probably goes back, I guess, you know, we're talking all the way to my grandfather of that idea of empathy and everyone matters. Every person counts. Um, and for the Women's Network, that's what we strive to do um, for that. And I'm really, you know, proud to say, our company isn't one that just has a group over here that meets every now and then. I mean, our CEO, our executive team, um, we pull in. And in fact, I was on a call yesterday of, hey, what does the Women's Network think about this? And it was a benefit change that they were. So, you know, we could get the team together and we could give them our, our input. Mm-hmm. We've also driven initiatives in our company. Um, our Women's Network um, runs and supports our mentoring program for all people. Um, uh, but with a focus on women. And sometimes we'll have a special team that looks at women's issues. Maybe working moms, for example, will um, get together. We have men and women who are mentors. We have men and women who are mentees you know, in this program. Um, one thing I'm, I'm really proud of accomplishment that we made um, several years ago was a change in our gender neutral paid parental leave. Um, and so this was um, you know, a topic that came up Several times and uh, through a lot of benchmarking and discussion, uh, we made a huge change to that benefit for all employees, again, gender neutral, uh, where before we had maternity leave for four to six weeks, right, depending on for women, maternity, so the the woman who gave birth um, could take time off. But, you know, the fact that we're able to push now through and offer 12 weeks of paid gender neutral parental leave means that moms and dads um, can take time off to bond with their kids. And, and it's, a, it's a really important, you know, I have three boys. I went through the maternity leave piece of it. And it's, it's not just making sure that, you know, new moms, new dads have opportunities to be with their kids. It's the fact that it's the moms and the dads. We are not sending a message as a company to say, well, moms are the ones who should stay home. Right. That maternity leave implies we believe in the family as a company. It's part of our culture. We believe in our employees taking time, be with your family. It's a, it's, it's important to you. It's important to us as a company. You have that time. So anyway, as something I'm, I'm really proud of, it, it puts us now in the top echelon of companies um, worldwide uh, when you look at paid parental leave. And um, but, but that's an example of right. what Women's Network has done. Twelve weeks. Holy cow. Uh, re- really quick, Enrique. I want to get your follow up thought here, but I want to go back to something that Marcia shared. You know, we can learn so much from the, the Ray Casabellas of the world. You know, as you described him as, a, I think, to use your words, a blue collar welder, right? Folks that did it, they do the work. 
You know, I love the phrase of going to the Gimba, you know, sitting down and learning from the folks that are masters and experts in what they do. And it's not just in the, in the, what I'll call the tactical operations. It's their POV on life and the journey and, and their leadership. You know, we learned so much there because everybody truly does matter. Enrique, what else did you hear there from Marsha that really sticks out to you? Well, like incredibly caring culture that not only believes in uh, maximizing profits, but it feels like they go beyond what the financial gains of a company are, which is incredible. I think it's something that's probably going to be attracting a lot of talent, like the new generations, uh, Marcia, and I would love to hear your take on this, that really value companies like GE Appliances uh, that are that stand for more than just making money or just making great products. And I think this is this is great. It's a great example. So, Enrique, if I could expand on that, um, it's a great point. You know, I, I definitely see the next generation of leaders, employees coming into our company, um, expecting something different from their employer versus, you know, when I came into work um, 29 years ago, I, you know, kind of pattering off of my parents, I'm used to, you know, you come in, you put your work in, you put your 40, 50, 60 hours in. And then you go home and that, that's what you need to do to, to raise a family. But now, you know, there, there's a higher expectation of companies of if employees are going to come in and spend that kind of time of their life with a company, it has to have meaning. Um, and they have to feel that their company stands for something that's important to them. And the time that they're putting in is valuable and will make a difference in the world. And, and one thing that G Appliances um, has always done and has definitely putting more emphasis on is our involvement in the community. Um, you know, for me personally, uh, I have the great honor of representing GE Appliances on the board for the American Red Cross Kentucky chapter. And, you know, when, when the opportunity came up for me to do that, I remember my parents always volunteered in the community and my kids got older and I said, yeah, you know, this is something I want to do. And I, I always thought it's me giving to them. I have, and I thought it would be, it was a three-year commitment. It's now 11 years. I'm still with the Red Cross. I have definitely gotten more out of that um, relationship with the Red Cross than I have given. Um, and it has made me a better leader. And I totally understand, you know, this, this generation wanting, wanting to do more and wanting to be more. Um, we are stronger as a company if we can reach out into the community, which as a consumer product business... Absolutely. What better way to connect with the, the people who are potential customers of yours than to understand where they are? It also helps put things in perspective. Um, you know, we make appliances. There are life and death decisions and things that are happening out in our communities that as a company, we have the resources, the people, the knowledge that we can make our communities better and stronger. And we do have an obligation as a company to do that. And so I applaud this generation coming in of saying it's important. And I applaud our company for continuing to evolve those expectations to make sure that we're delivering, not just for our employees, but because it's good for our company, it's good for our communities um, to make that connection. Wholeheartedly agree. And, you know, I appreciate it. It takes uh, these, these organizations like the American Red Cross need volunteer, uh, volunteer leadership bandwidth, they need resources, they need that 11 years of, of service. You know, when I was in the Air Force and based at McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita, Kansas, uh, a tornado came through Hoisington, Kansas, a tiny little town, middle of the night, which is was is a bit rare for tornadoes. So we took a contingent up there and, and volunteered with someone to clean up. 
And the very first folks on site, I'll never forget it, was this Red Cross, Red Cross bus providing some comfort, l- wow. little pieces of comfort like coffee and, and a breakfast sandwich. You know, when folks have nothing and the last thing on their mind is, you know, how can I make breakfast? So it's it's amazing. I appreciate what y'all do. And I appreciate GE Appliances allowing uh, their leaders and investing in, in these service initiatives. Um, so let's, I want to, before I flip, uh, flip it back to Enrique, you started kind of talking about uh, what the now generations, we call it here, is looking for in employers. And, and you know, some of the things I've, I've learned rubbing elbows with, with brilliant students uh, from the College of Charleston to the uh, Arkansas, University of Arkansas, to Texas Christian University, you name it. Um, you know, they all also want to move into you know, make an impact and, and move into this, uh, the, the senior executive levels. So what's a piece of advice that you offer any of our listeners that want to be that next Marsha Bray? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I come from to that question from a different perspective because I did not think I would make it here. I mean, I'm just a small town, small town, you know, but on the outskirts of a large town girl who grew up um, in a modest family um, who you know, really just just wanted to help people, just wanted to continue to learn and grow. And I, um, like I said, I'm so appreciative of where I am and the opportunities that I've had. What I would tell other folks is don't be afraid to dream big. Um, you know, you, you don't limit yourself by your spreadsheet, you know, on the first pass that you have and think that, well, that's the way my life is going to be. I, um, like I said, I've had a lot of mentors, uh, um, a lot of coaches, people who have helped me see more of what I could be than I could see myself. And so you got to put yourself out there. You got to take some risk. Um, you have to, you have to deliver um, and you got to put the work in um, for sure. Um, you know, at the same time, I really have valued um, input. I, I call them my truth tellers. So, you know, it's one thing to have coaches and mentors that you like and people that, you know, are going to pump you up and, and, and cheer you on. Um, I so value the people who, will give me the blunt truth. Um, I think I did a great job in that meeting. I think that project was great. And they'll come in and say, you know, this came across a little wrong. Did you mean for it to come across this way? You know, maybe you could have, you could have done this and really be humble and listen to that feedback. And I can't tell you how much I've grown because of people willing. It's hard. It's hard to give constructive feedback or it's hard to hear it. You know, at times right. you keep your brain you know, kind of open to it. Um, <laughs> I, I constantly do that. And even where I am now, I mean, it's, you know, being a vice president of a phenomenal company um, is something every day I tell myself, you know, it's not the title. I am not the title. I sit in the seat. I have, I have the privilege of sitting in the seat right now. Um, but every day it's my job to keep getting better and to, to humble myself and to keep learning from others. And so I am still on the track, I would say, um, of what advice I would give to other folks um, to be able to continue to grow. Love that. And to our listeners, you know, part of Marsha's answers there, I think is so, we all need to take it to heart because we've got to practice and be willing to learn how to effectively give constructive feedback as well as take it. Both of those sides of the coin are so important. Enrique, so much here. Uh, this could easily be a four-hour episode because I, I got so many questions I want to pose to Marsha, but <laughs> for the sake of time, we'll keep moving forward. Enrique, where are we going next with Marsha Bray? Yeah, we'll uh, switch gears a little bit here. But I, before that, I just want to say that, I, yes, it's inspiring everything you said. And it's absolutely uh, 
great to be talking to you, Marsha. I'm pretty sure that you're you're going to be a great uh, example for many of our listeners out there. So uh, yeah, put the work, be humble, listen. Great, great advice. Dream uh, big. I've been been taking lots of notes. So <laughs> yeah, don't limit yourself. Um, so changing gears a bit here, um, with all the experience you've had, with the years that we've had, last couple in particular, being so challenging in many different ways, especially for supply chains and uh, organizations like GE Appliances, uh, what is what are the things that you kind of uh, keep a closer uh, closer look at? What what are your your indicators uh, that you consider important with this kind of changing economies that we're living? Yeah. So. Um, you know, having a worldview of what's happening um, is so critical to being a supply chain leader, you know, nowadays. Um, in the past, uh, we would rely on what happened last year, last month to predict the future. And that's not true anymore. Um, and so there's a lot of nebulous, there's a lot of unknowns. And um, so it is it is critical, um, you know, for us being a global company, I watch um, what's happening over in Asia um, a lot with the ports, how transportation is flowing, obviously the war in Ukraine and the impact that that is having um, into the United States. And of course, you know, right now the um, union ports are in negotiation and how that could possibly impact uh, things, um, the lack of labor um, and uh, the, the constraints of transportation. Um and warehousing, uh, you know, all, all the same thing. And then our customers, and probably that's where I would start, is our customer expectation is changing as fast as the world around us and the supply chain factors are changing. And, you know, and if you don't keep your eye on both sides of the coin with that customer being first, yeah. you can sit there and think, well, hey, I have all these risk abatements and I have flexibility and I have options, but my customer just moved in terms of what they consider to be good. It does not matter that your supply chain is working for yesterday's problem. It has to work for today's problem. And, and so I have more of a voice towards our customers, our micro enterprises, leaders, the way my company is, is um, you know, organized to make sure what is most important to them and to our customers is the main problem and what I'm focusing on. Um, we change our, you know, I hate to say we change our strategy because I would have said like five years ago, whoa, that person's like all over the place. Well, now, if you think you're going to lock in a strategy and, you know, I, I, yeah, we used to plan five years and lock it in a year and lock it in. It's good to plan. You need a plan. But you got to be willing to move off that plan and pivot and stop working on some things and start working on others. So right. that's where I am focused every day um, and every week. How do I make sure I'm delivering for my customers and what my, what I think is success. My customer also thinks is success. Uh, I love that. Have a plan, but keep the window open. That's right. <laughs> when you got to throw it out. Uh, so, <laughs> let's, uh, um, so much uh, there. I, I think a natural follow-up question, Marcia, is the Eureka moment. Clearly, just from your answer to Enrique's question, uh, there's so much that you have learned, organization has learned. We, as supply chain professionals, have learned over the last few years. Um, what's one Eureka moment that... that is a gift that keeps on giving for you. What, what's a, your, a strong Eureka moment you've had in recent yeah, years? I'll, I'll share a story with you, if that's okay, to answer that question. Um, so you could probably tell, you know, being an engineer with two master's degrees, that I love process and equations and things to fit into patterns. I like finding chaos and in, in patterns and chaos and making that work. 
the job before this one, I uh, was asked to lead our business continuity plan for COVID, our, our COVID response. Um, I was very honored and very humbled. Um, I did not know a lot about pandemics, as you would not expect an engineer perhaps to, but um, every day was a, a day of learning. And I remember very early on, you know, our CEO, so I was working with him, gave us three key focus areas. And he said, look, he said, we, I don't know, we don't know what's going to happen, but first and foremost, we, we're going to take care of our employees. Second, we're going to keep this business running the best we can and take care of customers. And third, we're going to get back to community. And I wrote, wrote that on the whiteboard. And so in my planning, I wanted to put a playbook together, right? Because who, right? We're going to, okay, yeah. we don't have a playbook on a pandemic, so let's write one. And I went out and started researching and all of this and did a lot of work. And I had, I had a core team, you know, I was co-leading with a really good friend of mine. She's our head of security um, here in Lindsay. And uh, we were like, hey, this is where we want to go. And I, three months into it, everything we put in the playbook, nothing was relevant. I couldn't, because <laughs> every day was something different. The CDC right. was changing the guidelines. Now we have this new variant. How is it transferable on product? You know, on paper, you know, is it airborne? Is it, I, I don't know, right? We, we, we didn't know. And I'll tell you my eureka moment there was you can't plan for everything and not having a detailed plan to execute does not mean that you're not a good leader. What's more important is trusting yourself in the moment, trusting your team, going to see, don't waste your time huddling in a corner and trying to put all of the rules together of how you're going to operate. What's more important is being there with the team who's experiencing the problem in the moment. Listen and see what's going on and trust that we work the problem in front of you and trust that your team will be able to come up with a solution there. You don't have to then try to feel like I got to go look it up in the book and say, oh, yeah, there's the problem you have. Now I'm going to go find it in this playbook I put right. together. And here's what we do. You'll figure it out there because you're going to waste a lot of time putting all these what ifs together that may or may not be true in this situation. And you got to trust yourself. And I'll tell you, it was like a burden lift off me. And although I... I would have said when the when the vaccine comes, the pandemic will begin, and we'll go back to to my what I I still love. <laughs> yeah, I love that, but right. but it's not. It's not. There is no normal. There is no normal. Stop expecting, Marsha, that there is going to be a normal, and that you're going to be disappointed every day. So don't don't do that. Live in the moment. Work the problem in front of you. Have a plan. I'm not saying don't have a plan, but but allow yourself some grace that you're not going to know everything that's going to happen tomorrow. You can't anticipate everything, but you can be great at solving that problem that comes up and you can pull the right people together. Cause we have great people here and those people can solve anything that's in front of them. And you got to trust that. And I'll tell you, like yeah. I said, it's, um, it's changed the way I think of leadership. It's changed. I'm calmer. <laughs> I think I'm not as uptight and, and you don't let things bother you. I can absorb a lot more uncertainty now because of that mindset change that I had. Wow. And, and Ricky, I bet you're chomping at the bit to speak to some of what she just shared. Well, incredibly powerful, right? And so true, just um, having a good team, then trusting the team. I feel like that's part of the cultural organizational change that uh, corporations will have to go through, right? It uh, goes hand in hand with purpose and and, uh, and having a higher purpose. So yeah, this is this is great. It's uh, It's been a it's been a very challenging couple of years for everyone. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, trusting your team, that's very mm -hmm. powerful. So two quick thoughts from what I heard Marsha shared there. Uh, the first one is the guideposts. You know, three things that the CEO laid out there. 
uh, taking care of the employees, taking care of the customers and investing in the community. You know, sometimes over the last couple of years, that's as much of a plan as we've had. And that's okay is what I'm hearing, which is good because if you've got those guideposts, it's gonna, you're going to find the right plan. You're going to find the right actions. Uh, you're going to find the right ways to support the team and, and to make an impact. And then secondly, Marshall, kind of what you uh, wrapped on there is we've got to embrace our inner bounty. Y'all remember bounty, the quicker picker upper, right? Absorption. <laughs> you know, I've never thought about bounty as a leadership principle, right? Because Marshall, you're absolutely right. Perhaps more, more now than ever before, we absorb so much because we're constantly connected, right? Social networks, email, Slack, you name it. We're constantly getting bombarded. Uh, we all are, regardless of where you, you know, where you are in organization. So we got to lean in to that inner bounty moments and and um, characteristics. I hate Marsha. It sounds like you are a study in leadership. You're a, a constant student leadership, real leadership, and we're going to have to have you back. Uh, but in the, you know, as we start to wrap here, how can our listeners, how can folks out there that, that come across this conversation, how can they further connect with you and GE Appliances? Yeah. Um, so, uh, of course, I think I have. I work at a great company and would encourage um, folks to check out uh, www.geappliancesco.com, which will give you more information about our company, what we believe in. Um, if you want to learn more, it's about our principles and, and beliefs. Um, you know, for me, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm active there. And so you're certainly welcome to, um, to search me, search me up there on LinkedIn. Wonderful. It's just that easy. Marsha Bray really have enjoyed our time together. It went by just like we knew it would, but we're going to do a check-in with you maybe as we get uh, further into the rest uh, rest of the year. And thank you so much uh, for sharing your journey and, and, and your insights and experiences and expertise with our listeners here. Thanks so much, Marsha. Thank you for having me. You bet. But don't go anywhere. We're going to wrap. I've got, I've got a surprise question for Enrique. Uh, Enrique doesn't like surprise questions, but Marsha, we're going to surprise him with a quick question. Um, <laughs> thank so you, Scott. In, <laughs> you bet. Well, you're, you know, uh, there's a lot of humility here. Enrique is very humble, but uh, Marsha, uh, Enrique and his organization, Vector Global Logistics, won the Champions of Humanity Award just yesterday, when this is, you know, as we're recording this, just yesterday at the 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards. Uh, and that was very richly deserved. One of the many initiatives, this is where y'all have a lot in common, I believe, beyond engineering, beyond kind of um, kindred spirits and 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 kind of that, that global view, service, 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 real action and results focused service is what I've heard both of y'all speak to. One of your projects, Enrique, you and your team, is the Leveraging Logistics for Ukraine Project uh, Supply Chain Now. We're, we're, we're very uh, honored to be uh, your partners there. If you would, just quick, quick blurb about what you, what you and the team are trying to do and how can folks get involved. Of course, of course. Well, we're all trying to, uh, we're all trying to help the millions and millions of people that have been impacted by this Stupid war. I don't have any other words to actually say it. So uh, that's kind of the way I feel about it. Uh, I think everyone at my company and uh, around the world and many other organizations are angry and pissed that this continues to happen. Um, and so we're trying to help out. There's uh, millions of refugees in Poland and Moldova and other countries around the Ukraine. So what we decided to do was uh, have this every other week calls with different organizations and then help them not only sponsor freight into those communities and into that region, but also try to 
uh, help in matchmaking those connections. And we had amazing collaboration from, from different organizations in the U.S. So it's been uh, amazing to see how many people care about this. My uh, And I would invite everyone to join us. Uh, you can go to uh, our website at www.vectorgl.com and there will be a window popping up for the Ukraine. You can sign up for the uh, every other week. There were weekly, but now there's every two weeks uh, calls that we're having. And of course, if you have something that you need to ship to the Ukraine, but for whatever reason, you don't have the resources to do so, send us an email at ukraine at vectorgl.com. We have a couple warehouses set up and we'll ship that for you at no cost. Love that. And and I would add, uh, as having been a part of those working sessions that are biweekly now, even if you, you're not in a position to donate or if you're not in a position to um, you know, offer um, boots on ground market intel, I'll call it, hey, come and learn because yeah. folks are in Ukraine and Poland or they're getting stuff there, humanitarian aid, and, and you can learn a ton from these, these weekly, biweekly sessions. So check out VectorGL.com. Thank you, Enrique, for you and your team, what you do. Marsha Bray. Uh, for you and GE Appliances, thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, I've learned a ton. And now I'm going to go look at my appliances very differently, right? <laughs> yeah, they're, of they're basically smart devices these days. Uh, so, Marsha Bray, really enjoyed your time here today, Vice President of Distribution with GE Appliances. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you. And thank you so much, Marsha. This was a pleasure. And thank you, Scott, um, oh. for inviting me to this very interesting conversation. I set a high bar for this conversation, and Marsha leaped over it. Yeah. As if she's a Olympic. It was easy um, though. It yeah, really was. we didn't really have to do much. <laughs> so, I'll make it easy. <laughs> thank you, Marcia. And Enrique, Enrique Alvarez, host of Logistics with Purpose and Supply Chain Out in Espanol. Y'all check that out wherever you get your podcasts from. Listeners, hey, man, there is like a, a playbook to, to use a, a term that Marcia shared with us today. A, a playbook full of takeaways from this conversation here today. Different ways, big and small, that you can act and, and be a stronger, more effective leader. I heard that from Marsha and Enrique here today. Um, so, but you've got to take those steps, right? You've got to uh, walk through that door. So as we wrap here today, Scott Luton and the Supply Chain Now team challenging you to, hey, be like Marsha Bray, be like Ray Casabella, be like Enrique Alvarez, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.